Welcome to Donor Conception Conversations. This is the one podcast created exclusively for people who are planning to use donor conception to build their family or for people who have already built their family with donor conception. I'm your host. My name is Lisa Schumann. I'm a researcher, a therapist, and an expert in donor conception. And over my more than two decades of experience working both in fertility clinics and in my private practice, the Center for Family Building, I've met with thousands of donor-conceived individuals, children, recipients, and donors. And I have learned so much, and I'm here to teach you all that I've learned in this podcast. My guests and I will talk about everything that you need to know to have a better journey to parenthood. If it's about donor conception, we're going to talk about it. So on this podcast today, I'm very excited because I get to interview some really remarkable people. I'm going to be speaking with Christina Bailey and her partner, Heather Johnson, and you can find them on Bailey Mama Drama on Instagram. And Christina is a photographer, a teacher, and a proud mom to her twins and her older two kids. But this process was not easy at all. She unfortunately experienced miscarriage and a transfer of an embryo that didn't work. But when it finally did, she was very excited. Alone, after a separation from her ex, she planned for a third baby and then Heather came into her life. And now they're a big family of six and um, their cat Bolt which was named after the character for a dog because he acts like a dog. They have a great supportive family and their support and love really shows to their community. They send their support to everyone in on the internet and also through lots of great organizations like the Family Equality Council and other groups. So I really appreciate everything they do and I'd like to introduce you to them and introduce you to all of the ways that they started to build their family, the things that they learned along the way, and the information that they can share with you. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. My pleasure. My pleasure. Hi, guys. And thanks so much for bringing the babies because it's always lovely. It's the best part of my job is to see the babies. So I love seeing them. Maybe you could start a little bit, uh, Christina, with talking about all of the things that you've gone through, maybe starting at the beginning where you first started to think about, okay, I want to be a mom and you were married to your ex-wife. Okay. So I knew probably since I was a little girl that I always wanted to be a mom. That was always my goal in life. And when I realized I was gay, I was worried that being a mom wouldn't be possible or if I wanted it to be, it would be hard. I also worried about never finding someone to spend my life with. Um, I didn't grow up in a big town, so there wasn't a lot of gay presence. So I didn't have anyone to look up to that showed me that family was possible when you're gay. When I went online and I found my ex-wife, I thought that having a family might be possible for me. I didn't know what the road would look like to get there, but I had more of a sense of hope because being a single mom and trying to raise a family without another person in my life sounded really challenging and kind of scary. Um, My mom raised me alone and I always thought, that was amazing of her to do that, but I also have no idea how she did that too at the Mm -hmm. same time. And so when I met my ex-wife, 
we, I wanted kids. She actually didn't. Um, and I did tell her that was a deal breaker for me. And she said it wasn't set in stone. So uh, eventually she did say that meeting me changed her mind with kids. So we did go down the path to have kids, but she didn't want to have kids right away. So I waited. Um, We worked on our careers, our education. We waited till we moved to a bigger city. And then we went down the path to have children. Um, And she said that she didn't have any desire to have any genetic children of her own because she didn't really ever have the desire to have children. So she supported whatever decision I wanted to do. She actually suggested that we use my eggs, but she carries so that way she could still be part of the process. Mm -hmm. And I was never set in my ways of actually carrying a child. So I thought that was a good compromise to where everybody would feel included. We then went online to find a donor, which I thought I related it to the movie Baby Mama (laughs) because I was thinking we were just going to go into the clinic. We're going to put up my baby picture and like match it to other guys' faces. And then it was going to make a cute little baby picture. Um, And it's nothing like that Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. The clinic just tells you to go on to these top websites that they know most of their clients use. So we were given two names. We looked at both um, at the time, which was, you know, this was almost eight years ago. Um, At the time, only one of the websites had baby pictures and adult photos of donors, whereas the other one just had baby pictures. Uh And we know that a lot changes from baby to adulthood. So we wanted pictures of of a man who we could see what he looked like when he was older, as well as when he was a baby. So we went with that site. We found somebody who looked similar to our traits, you know, blonde hair. We also looked at the things they were interested in too. They'll list, you know, oh, we're interested in music or we have this type of education. So we did also look at that too. But overall, we just wanted to make sure that when we looked at our child, we could see us in it Mm -hmm. and not so much as somebody that we didn't know. And that is how we chose the donor that we did. But unfortunately, after going through a round of IVF and trying to fertilize my eggs, it didn't work. They said my eggs were poor quality. They said the sperm was also not full quality either. Um, So we actually had to go back and pick another donor. Oh, boy. Yeah. So we picked another donor. And again, we looked for the same traits. I would say the process the second time was not as fast. We were not as picky at that point because we'd already been down that road before. So we found somebody else, picked them. The second round of IVF was a success. Miraculously, they got plenty of eggs. We did ICSI on half of them, which is where they inject the sperm into the egg instead of just letting the sperm find the egg in the dish. And I know that even since this was, you know, eight years ago, everything has changed since then. So like ICSI was a process that you had to select before. And now it's actually something that just they do automatically for most clinics. It's not something that you choose. It's just something that is more of a for sure thing that the eggs will fertilize. So similar to picking a donor, IVF, all these things have changed over the course of eight years, which is amazing to me. So now when you go onto a donor website and you're looking for a person to, you know, provide half of their genetics to your child, they provide baby pictures, adult pictures. They even provide some pictures of them growing up along the way. 
And I only know this because when I unfortunately, the woman I love fell in love with someone else. So I Mm. was given divorce papers and I was devastated. But my dream of continuing to have kids did not stop. I wanted a bigger family. Um, That was always my goal. You know, like I said, it was just me and my mom growing up and my desire to have a house filled with children just did not stop for me. And the thought of being a single mom didn't sound so scary to me anymore. It seemed more relatable and I could achieve that goal. You know, my mom was still here. She was here to support me. She supported whatever goals I had, Um, especially during the divorce. She was always a shoulder to cry on. And I wouldn't say I jumped back into the kid world right away. Obviously, when you're faced with heartbreak, you have to take that time to heal. You have to take that time to grow and kind of find yourself all over again. And that itself is quite a challenge over the course of you know, many months, the grief process is hard, but eventually I did want to. And at the time I felt like I didn't like the thought of having more kids didn't really seem possible to me. Anyway, it kind of was put on hold because I didn't realize that even though we signed papers at our IVF clinic that said in the act of a divorce, I would get the embryos. Those papers aren't valid until you go through the court process and you get them validated. So embryos are considered property when you are married. So like any piece of property, it's 50-50 and you have to go to court if you cannot agree on it. So I was waiting and waiting and waiting and not getting anywhere with the court process. Um, Lots of delays. I had to go find an additional lawyer to help me that just dealt with embryo rights. And she helped me tremendously to get my embryos just to court. And in court, the judge did grant the embryos to me since I, the paper said so. I was the only one who had the genetic material to it. My ex did not want the embryos at all, and I was the only one who wanted to use them. I also had paperwork showing all my infertility struggles. I have PCOS, and just everything kind of lied in the fact, well, if this woman wants her embryos, you don't want them, then she should get them. So I did get them, but any decision can be appealed. So the decision did get appealed. Um, an appeal can take two to three years, unfortunately. And I was shocked, more heartbreak, of course. Um, I always feel like my biological clock is ticking. So being 32, I believe at the time, um, I was just thinking like my chance of having kids is going down every single year. And then I made the big decision to, all right, well, I'm just going to try to get pregnant on my own, I guess. Now, about this time, a little bit before then, I would say before I went to court battling for my embryos, I had met Heather. I went back online to, now, of course, there's a ton of dating apps, whereas before when I met my ex-wife, there was probably like one or two. Mm -hmm. So I went on one that was specifically for lesbians, and I met her, and... First time we met, I kind of filled out my guts of everything that was going on. Like, hey, I'm going through a divorce. Hey, I'm going to try to get pregnant on my own. Um, I've already got two kids. That's a lot for a first date. <laughs> yeah. And we, we met at a mailbox um, just because I was worried. I'm like, can we make some place public? Oh like, my gosh. you know, on a public street. Like, I don't, I don't want to get killed or anything. Um, you watch all these movies, you know. And she just kind of sat there and smiled the whole time at me. So, I mean, I must have not scared her off because she wanted to see me again. And she was texting me the next day, I would say, to try to meet up. Nice. But I would say uh, when I met her, we weren't, I don't 
I mean, I don't know for you, I think for her, she was more hooked on me than I was on her because I wasn't looking for anything. Uh, I was just looking to date and occupy my time because I was sad whenever my two oldest girls weren't around since we were sharing 50-50 custody. And so the dating scene was something my friends had pushed me to do. I was hooked in a way, but I also come from where I wasn't looking either. So I don't know. I just became something every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we just stop right there for just one second, I'm just curious because I think our audience, um, I, and I want to hear the rest of it, of course, but I think it's really important what you just uh, spoke about with regard to the embryos. So, right, everybody gets into relationships and they say, you know, we love each other, we're going to be together forever, right? But divorces do happen. And so you are in a situation where if you are somebody who has eggs, you're going to have to face this terrible situation where you're going to feel like your clock is ticking. And if your embryos are held up in court, that can be really terrible, right? And that happened, that can happen. So what do you advise the audience? It sounds like it could create some problems in a relationship if you do go about it this way. But if you to love each other unconditionally. Um, I think it's always wise that if you do have some type of lawyer who could draw up legal papers that actually show what you want to happen to the embryos in the case of divorce, death. Um, These are all the options that the IVF clinic had on their paperwork when we signed them. And we just, you know, we went through and initialed them. Um, There was no doubts in either of our minds when we initialed those decisions, but when you go through a divorce, you know, things can get really bad, you know, and your emotions are really high. They're all over the place. And sometimes we're not really thinking about the love you had for each other. In that case, you know, you're thinking about your future and they're thinking about their future. And I would just say that if you had that same paperwork by a lawyer, I could have literally skipped over the legal process. There wouldn't have been a court case in my town. There wouldn't have been an appeal none of that would have happened. You would have skipped right over it. Embryos would have been mine. The clinic would have known that, but the clinic was notified almost right away that I could not have those, that they were in the process of going to court. So as soon as they're notified, you know, that there's a divorce, they will freeze those embryos and keep them on hold. Nothing will happen to them, which is nice. Like they didn't, I think every clinic is different, but they didn't push anyone for paying the storage fee or anything like that. Even though at the time when we, when I had been given the divorce papers, I had actually gotten a storage fee notice in the mail and I had been paying it. So I'd already paid like two rounds of storage fees before the embryos even went to court, which I had told lawyer, you know, well, if my ex wants them, then, you know, they need, she needs to pay the storage fees. And they're like, Oh no, it doesn't matter. Like, even though you paid it, I mean, there's just so many, legal things that I don't think people understand when it goes into these things, um, which is really scary because, you know, in most places, I would say people consider embryos, they're a chance at life, right? They're already alive technically because they've been fertilized. So I knew that because they were technically at that stage, that them being thrown away was probably a lesser chance because that was also something my ex wanted was them thrown away. And that terrified me because I knew that that was probably my only chance of reproducing genetically just because of all the infertility issues I had. And then when I went on later to try to get pregnant on my own, that just kind of verified that I really, 
I'm just not, you know, as fertile as I thought I could be. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's really scary. I would say that, you know, it is good to talk about it with your spouse or your partner um, before you go into the IVF clinic. Like what do you want to happen if, you know, these circumstances, I think it's easier for people to talk about death. So I think if you start there, you know, what happens if one of us dies, Mm -hmm. would it be okay that, you know, one of us would still use the embryos to reproduce or is that something that is off the table? And then I would go from there. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very good advice. And I think, you know, it's really important particularly when you're in this situation where you're creating embryos, you have a donor sperm. It's not like, you know, the genetics are connected to the both of you. And in this case, you had a, you know, it could have been more clear cut because you definitely wanted the embryos and she definitely did not. So from day one, it could have been a little bit easier. So I think that that, you know, is really a gift to share with the audience. So I appreciate that. Okay, so as we move forward, so you guys meet at the the mailbox and you're thinking, okay, we really like each other, but are we ready to like move forward and have more kids or what what were you guys thinking? Well, for me, I I pretty much told her that I'm I'm going to try to get pregnant and she didn't seem to mind. She's like, "Oh, okay, that sounds good." <laughs> um <laughs> so it didn't it didn't matter to her at the time. Um I would say if anything, I think it probably brought us closer, just her watching me go through the divorce process. Um, there was a lot of crying. It just kind of felt like my life was never going to be pushed forward to the next chapter that I wanted it to be in. You know, I felt like I had somebody who really, really liked me and that was really nice to have. But I just felt like it was always just going to be at that point. You know, it was always going to be me fighting with my ex about wanting to get my embryos and me trying to still date somebody that I really like. And that was just the point it was going to stay forever. And that made me so unhappy that it was always going to be this way. Um, but Heather helped me with, we had donor sperm shipped to our house. Well, it was my house at the time, but Heather was always there when the girls weren't there all the time, staying the night with me and keeping me company. But we had it shipped to the house two times and I tried to get pregnant twice. It did work one time, but it ended in an early miscarriage, which was really sad. Yeah. Um, the next time I tried, I remembered we were actually in the airport coming back from a trip with my parents and my kids were there. And I remember I went to the bathroom and I thought I was going to start my period. And I cried, of course, because realizing that it didn't work just made me so upset. And I knew I couldn't have my embryos. And I just felt like my body wasn't capable to give me more kids. And it's heartbreaking. You know, I just felt like my life is just filled with so much heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And I just kept asking, you know, why, why? Like, when is, when are things going to look up for me? You know, when are things going to go better for me? And it wasn't that long after that, I decided to go through IVF again. And I had been putting it off because at this point in my life, I mean, I'd already dealt with lawyer fees. I mean, through the roof. I mean, just so many fees. I mean, I don't think people realize how expensive a divorce can be. And then putting IVF fees on top of that just sounded extreme. But I knew that this was probably my only chance to try to get pregnant because my chances of reproducing were going down every single year. So I decided to go through IVF again and got really excited. You know, when I went back on, had to pick another donor. Mm. I This time when I picked a donor, I looked for somebody who looked 
exactly like the old donor. I mean, I didn't want there to be any differences between my current children and the kids I was going to have because I wanted them all to look the same. I didn't want anybody to feel left out. Luckily, my girls look exactly like me. So I had I had pretty good confidence that my genetics were pretty strong. Mm-hmm. But I found another person who looked similar. And I went through the IVF process. Everything was looking pretty good um, until the day of egg retrieval came. And they told me that out of all the follicles, I can't remember how many I had, but I think there was 13. And only two of them showed up not empty, um, which of course they can't tell on an ultrasound. They have no way of predicting what was going to happen when they withdrew them. But getting the notice that there was two was pretty devastating. I kind of had flashbacks to my first round of IVF with my ex-wife when only two had made it again. And it was a series of phone calls of where those eventually, they just didn't make it. Um, so I kind of thought that was going to happen this time. And I was right. So it was just a series of phone calls. They weren't, they weren't growing like they should. They weren't fertilizing like they should. And it just, eventually I I really just stopped answering the phone from my clinic because I knew the news was so devastating. Mm. And I would just listen to the voicemails when I knew I had enough time to cry because usually I was at work teaching and I didn't need my students coming back and asking why I was crying. Mm -hmm. So uh, after that, you know, I had talked to my nurse who has seen me through literally everything. She was there when I was married. She was there when I was divorced. And she told me I should really try one more time. She said this time, you know, we'll really try to push, push your ovaries as far as they can. You know, we'll see what we can get. And while I was in the process of going through IVF number two, I had actually gotten a call from my lawyer that said a settlement proposal had been given to get my embryos back which she advised I should take because of how expensive an appeal would be over the course of two to three years. And although the amount was terrifying to me, I found a way to make it work and signed the papers, um, had the money transferred over and my embryos were returned to me. So it it wasn't as fast of a process, but by the time my body was ready to receive embryos, it was ready. and. I transferred two because I really wanted twins and I've wanted twins my whole life. Um, Even when my first daughter was born, we had actually transferred two in the hopes of twins and one of them didn't make it. Mm -hmm. So I went on that dream again of having two. And I also thought by being divorced and having two kids going back and forth, I didn't want a new child to feel left out or feel even more alone being alone in the house 50% of the time and having house full of kids, the other 50%. So I thought it'd be nice that having two kids, they'd always have somebody to play with when their older sisters are gone. So that was another plus to Mm -hmm. trying to have twins and they both took. And so I was thrilled never knowing that I would actually be able to get pregnant because that was another scary thought. Like if I have the embryos, will my body be able to carry embryos because yeah. I've never tried getting pregnant before. How would I know? You know, and I've always been told my whole life, PCOS, you're going to have a hard time getting pregnant. And when I went to my first ultrasound to look at my follicles, they told me there was something poking out in my uterus. And I was worried that, you know, I wouldn't be able to get pregnant that way. But the last recent ultrasound showed that my uterus looked okay. And one doctor was skeptical. The other doctor wasn't. So I was halfway skeptical that I was going to be able to carry. And I mean, they carried till 
they needed to, right? They weren't full-term babies, but they carried to the point where they could they survive out of the womb. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that they are here. Oh, wow. What a story. That's yes. fantastic. Well, so I'm wondering, Heather, did you ever think like, well, you know, I'd like to use my eggs or maybe I'd like to carry or did, did you, was that a conversation between the two of you? No, I've never thought to use my eggs. I have so many like health conditions. I don't want to keep that going. I have asthma and all that other stuff. Um, so I don't want to give a child everything I have. Because it runs in my family, a lot of the genetics that we have, and I don't want to do that to another child. Mm-hmm. So I just am okay with just using her eggs. Okay. And how did you guys manage that? Did you say, okay, we'll do the second parent adoption? We're going to, I mean, how did you manage your So we decided because being present on social media, we do get a lot of questions like that. But because there's, so many like legal things with like the divorce, we decided to not talk about any like second parent adoption and stuff like that. Um, we decided to keep that off the internet as one thing that we have private between the two of us, just because I mean, you do, I don't, I like helping people. And honestly, I love, I love being online. I love being an online presence. I love helping other people. It helped me through every stage in my life. Actually, I've met amazing people, but I think it's also important that you discuss with the person you're with, you know, what type of things that you want to keep private Mm -hmm. about your life. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing that we decided to keep private, but we have spoken about even in the future about how we might want to have one more child. And since I had so many health problems, um, towards the end of my pregnancy that Heather would actually want to carry one of the embryos to have our last child. So that is something that we're open to talking about, but yeah, the parent, the second parent option is that we decided to keep private for us. Okay. All right. So you have a big, a big, very full family and you, you, you want to have another child. That's uh, amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You could start a basketball team. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, just one more. We wouldn't transfer two embryos. We would just, we would just transfer the one. Heather doesn't think she'd be able to carry twins. And yeah. I don't, I don't think legally or not legally, um, financially, I don't think financially we'd be able to afford no. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a big undertaking. Yes. Yeah. They're expensive already for yeah. sure. Well, even four kids. It's a lot. It's a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a lot for sure. It's just, it's so nice having you know, house full of kids that, yeah, I literally always dreamed of. We also joked about how our car only comfortably seats five children. So <laughs> well, that's it. Right. we don't, right. And we want to be able to take some of their friends with us. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. know, there's only certain cars that allow that. Right. Exactly. Otherwise you're going to have to get like a school bus or something. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So how have you guys um, felt about, you know, as you kind of move forward, you're obviously a, you know, wonderful couple. It's a lot to manage your life with all these kids and your relationship. And you have this new relationship. You didn't really have time to just kind of have a honeymoon period with just the two of you where you could be together alone for a year. You immediately had like a lot thrown into it, right? The dispute about the embryos and the divorce and the other kids and the co-parenting and all of this and now two new babies. And so there's really kind of a lot thrown in to all of this. And on top of that, which I saw on Instagram that you guys have started to speak about, which is, I think, really, really helpful, 
you know, are the kind of questions that that people can ask you, you know, kind of this hurtful question about kind of who's the real mom, even though we're both real, you're both the real moms, or, you know, how did you decide to do this? Who's your donor? How did you choose a donor? Do you know him? I mean, people ask um, all those questions that you've started to address, but I think you guys have a lot on you already, right? Being in this kind of kind of semi new relationship with all of the stress. So, how do you manage all of these things? And are you on the same page? And how do you have those discussions? And how do you keep your relationship steady? Yeah, actually, someone had um, told us that too online, and I was just thinking, like, what a rock star Heather is over here for taking on so much in a new relationship because I think, I mean, I was with my ex only about a year before we got married and it was several years until we had kids, but that, that wasn't also my decision either. I wanted kids right away, but I do think that a lot of times when people are together in a relationship, they do wait before taking all these massive steps. And we kind of took all the massive steps Everything uh, right we away. We're could. not married. Yeah. We're not married, but we did. I mean, bringing kids into the world with somebody is, I mean, it's a lot. It's a big thing. And that's a lot to put on a relationship for sure. Um, but I think we've handled it pretty well. Um, I think everyone is kind of surprised at how well yeah. it's going. Um, yeah. I mean, I think also just. I think with time and like with your age, I think it does get easier to handle some things. Um, Heather is five years younger than me, but uh, well, six right now until October. Mm -hmm. But I would say just being at that point in your life where you just feel like you're ready. I think that helps a lot too. And of course, our relationship isn't perfect at all. But we're both at that point where we know if we get into a disagreement, it doesn't mean that we're, we're going to break up or anything like that. Whereas I know in some relationships that that's kind of a deal breaker. And when we are out in public, I would say Heather is the one who kind of wants to give a funny answer to people's questions. And I'm the one who wants to give the more realistic answer uh -huh. and then just smile. So Heather, what kind um, of funny answers do you give? I really want to give the one that if we're sisters of that, I want to go up to a straight couple and ask them the same question. Is that your brother? <laughs> Things like that. Uh -huh. I just, we always get weird comments. So I always, I'm like a person that will give weird comments back, mm -hmm. but I try not to because <laughs> she talks before me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try to get the real answer before she cuts in with her, with her fake answer. <laughs> and you guys know that this is going to, grow over time, right? Because now you, your, your life is um, surrounded probably by a lot of people who support you and are there for you. But you've got four kids in different, you know, school classes and, you know, maybe different sports teams or different, you know, ballet classes or Girl Scouts or whatever. There'll be more and more parents kind of chiming in and it does get very tiring to answer those questions over and over and over and over again. I went into my youngest daughter's preschool the other day and they go through, I mean, there's new teachers all the time. I would say she only has a few months left before she's done and then she's going to start kindergarten soon. But one of the teachers was like, oh, hi, you know, I'm Charlotte's teacher. And I was like, oh, hi, I'm one of Charlotte's, you know, 50 moms. And I just kind of joke because, <laughs> because my girls have so many women in their life. And I don't, from an outside perspective, if I was 
I mean, I am a teacher, but if I was their teacher or just seeing like all these constant people coming to pick them up, I mean, it's like, who are all these people? Like, yeah. is there a father in the picture? I mean, like there's just so many women. So I think it is good to have, to be flexible, to be kind of humorous um, at times because I mean, it's a lot for people to understand. I mean, we've now got, it was already complicated before where we talked about, me and my ex always talked about how it's going to be hard because they're probably going to be the only kids in the classroom who have gay parents. They're just really, there just aren't a lot of gay couples who, I mean, even to this day, my daughter has been through kindergarten and first grade and there hasn't, I don't know of any um, gay couples who have kids at the school and at least not as far as her class. I haven't met anyone. Wow. So now we have a divorce situation. So now there's even more women present, you know, now that's four women present in these two girls lives. And then, you know, we've got my mom also helps with pick up and drop offs. That's another woman. I mean, there's just, it's a lot of people. And, you know, even it's funny because my mom volunteers in my oldest daughter's classroom. And, you know, a lot of people are like, hold on, who's, whose mom are you? You know, which mom is that? Because it's, it's so confusing. They're like, Oh, well, you don't see that mom at pickup because I do pick up. And then, you know, the other one's her ex-wife, but I'm not the mom of that woman. And, you know, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's a lot for people to understand. And so I think it's a lot for people to handle. So I think just, and, you know, we do make, I was laughing the other day with Heather because we made like a reel about, you know, questions that people ask us in public. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the comments that people are saying like, Oh, you just need to be patient or, you need to inform other people. And I was thinking like, I never said I wasn't doing that. You know, we were just being, we just thought it was funny. And we thought that a ton of other gay people could relate to these questions, but it doesn't mean like we're being insensitive or anything like that. I don't mind educating people. It's what I literally do for a living. I educate children. So, I mean, I like doing that. Yeah. Well, Christine, I actually feel a little bit differently because, you know, as as I'm I'm saying, as your family grows, and there's going to be more and more people, you also uh-huh. have the right to not have to feel like you're everybody's teacher when you don't feel like it. You know, when you've spoken to the 500th person and you, you know, get cornered in the supermarket and somebody's asking you questions that feel hurtful or insensitive or just, you know, you just want to get home and get your kid to nap you know, it's, I think it's okay to say, you know, I, I really don't feel like talking about that, or that's my child's information to share or not to share, or, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with, because it's a lot, it's a lot for, you know, to go. And I, and I understand that you're not in a community where there's lots of gay families. And if you were, that might be a little bit easier, but you're kind of bearing the brunt of being the teacher for the entire gay community in this town, right? I mean, you're you're kind of the poster child for gay families there, and it's a lot of, of weight to have on your shoulders. And I, from my perspective, I don't think it's necessary that you have to be that person if you don't want to be. Sometimes, sometimes you're just tired. Yeah, and I do agree. I think there are times when you're tired. I think for me, when I'm tired, I think I just. I don't answer. I remember when I'm just thinking back to when me and my ex-wife were together, we used to get the comment about how we put our, we had to put our daughter in daycare at like three months old, which is, it's very young. That's actually the minimum age that kids can go into daycare is three months. And I remember one of the moms that was taking a class with us at the time told us like, Oh gosh, isn't it hard for someone else to raise your child for you? And to me, that comment is really offensive um, because I, 
feel as being an educator, like I'm educating everyone else's children for, you know, seven, eight hours a day. And I don't see myself as their parent. I see myself as an educator and as a role model to them and helping inform them. And our kids do spend most of their lives in school. That's just a realistic statistic. Um, So when I heard that, I do get offended. And instead of responding, I just don't respond. I just stand quietly. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's Probably what I do with answers that, or with questions that I don't feel like I want to answer at the time, if I do get offended, Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, I think there's, especially online, there's been like some offensive questions and luckily most of the time I'll just say like, that's something I don't care to share. Um, or there's always the part where you can literally just delete the question. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, there's always options just because it seems like when people ask offensive questions, sometimes they don't realize they're being offensive. Yes. Other times they do realize they're being offensive and they want to make their point across. And it really doesn't matter what you say to them. They already have their mind made up. They're going to keep going on their tangent and you could keep fighting with your tangent and it's not going to make any difference at that point. That's true. It's very wise. Very, very wise. So I know we're, we're taking a lot of your time today, but I just had one other question to ask you. Because this is really about donor conception, we're kind of thinking about what sort of struggles people have. Do you feel comfortable sharing how you decided, do I choose um, someone who has an identity release or not? Do I go on donor sibling registry and connect with people who who are related to my children or not? You know, am I interested in that sort of thing? At the time, you know, rewinding back eight years when um, the donor was picked to all all these kids that I have, having the option of if there was a known contact information when the kids are 18 versus if they didn't have the contact information, that wasn't really a factor when we were choosing just because there wasn't a lot of donors that matched what we were looking for. I mean, Mm -hmm. just looking for someone who was blonde, that was hard enough. I mean, we... I think there was only like four choices or something crazy like that. So if we had picked, you know, this known contact information, it it would have eliminated all four of them. I mean, it wasn't even an option. And then we were also told that the information the donor gives, that's the contact information they have as of now, right? So I'm thinking back to like, you know, where I lived many, many years ago, definitely not the same information I have now. Um, Even people change their phone number. Yep. So I was thinking like, well, we're going to get this information for this guy, maybe. And then by the time the kids are 18, that contact information isn't going to be valid. Or maybe the guy changes their mind. They can always choose not to pick up the phone or they Mm -hmm. can always choose to change their phone number. They don't have to contact the clinic if they change their mind. There's no paper they sign that says that. And So it wasn't really a factor for us. And I would say even now, it still doesn't concern me. I made sure when I was on the donor's profile, I saved every single bit of information I could on this guy. I saved his pictures. I saved his profile. There was even um, a voice demo where he said a few words in his voice. I saved all this stuff for my kids because I don't want there to be any, you know, anything that I'm trying to hide from them. You know, it's like this man and even my seven-year-old who is very, very you know, always asking all the questions, you know, about how, you know, she has two moms and she's funny because she, (laughs) one of the kids was saying in her, they were doing reading groups the other day and my mom was there and they were talking about twins. And at the time the twins had been born and I was like, oh yeah, Kendi's going to have twin, you know, twins soon. She's going to have a brother and a sister. And they're like, oh, so you're going to have two guys in the house 
and you're going to have, um, you know, like four girls and Kendi's like, no, I don't have a dad. I have two moms. They're divorced. And <laughs> just, you know, just uh-huh. saying, you know, cute. she just says it so point so blank, easily. like, you know, this yeah. is my life. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And kids, they, they want to know. And she's asked me, you know, about questions like that. And I told her, you know, in order to have a baby, you know, you have to have special parts of the girl and you have to have special parts of the guy. And that's the only way to make a baby. And so we're very thankful to a man who gave his special parts to us. And with those pieces, we were able to create you and you were created in a dish. And so was your sister. And so were your other brother and sister. And, you know, not a lot of people that we know of, especially in your class were created that way, but it's very special. And we're just forever grateful that there are people out there who do this. So that way we can make a family. And I don't think she fully understands. She was like, I think my friend was created in a dish too. She seems pretty special. And I was like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, as she gets older, um, I think she'll understand more. She does understand genetics. She understands that part. She knows that she's only genetically related to me. We've, we've talked about it. Like, you know, she had a bloody nose and she's like, mom, didn't you get bloody noses? And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's genetics. And she'll even say that like, Oh, it's genetics. I have blonde hair or Mm -hmm. it's genetics. Me and my brothers and sisters all look the same, you know? So she understands genetics and she even jokes around that she's secretly a witch and that a Louise, her younger sister is also a witch. There's because they're genetically and biologically related. Funny. So yeah, I think just being, especially being open with your kids and having that, but I haven't ever looked into the, the registry thing. I mm-hmm. have noticed a few of my friends online who have done it. And I do think that's, I mean, I do think that's me seeing your other half siblings out there. I don't, I don't even think I know where to begin. Um, like, is my donor even on there? I, I'm so overwhelmed with everything happening in my life that I haven't oh, yes. even touched on that. But it, right. But it doesn't mean I wouldn't do it in the future for my mm-hmm. kids because I think if they want to go out there and meet their other half siblings, I think that's great. I personally have two half siblings. So it's not like, you know, it wasn't ever hidden, like, you know, donor related, but I don't know. I just think it's cool to have those options. I just, I'm wondering is like every donor on that registry? I haven't really looked into it. Yeah. Yeah. Not every donor, but lots of donors and lots of siblings. So, and I'm certainly happy to be here for you guys. If you ever want guidance, you just give me a call. I'm happy to help in any way I can. Okay. Yeah. I know. I'm thinking about how I only have so many days with my kids. I only get so many seven day vacations with them. So if it was like, oh, there's more siblings out there. Let's go on a vacation with them. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a sharing schedule. I've got, (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you. I know you guys are so busy and I really, really appreciate your time and uh, coming here today in the morning when I'm sure there's lots of chaos in the house already and sharing this information because it's so important for you know everybody out there in the community to understand what it's like and to feel inspired that you know even though you ran, ran through kind of like every hurdle there could possibly be, you know, you still came came up like roses, right? You guys have this beautiful family and you've been able to manage it with the co-parenting and everybody's getting along and even managing in a community where there's no very little support or understanding of gay families. So um, I, my hat's off to you. You guys have done such a beautiful job and it's so nice to meet you both. And we'll have to, we'll have to stay in touch. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. 
So tell everybody how they can reach you on social media or anywhere else. All right. So if you would like to reach me, it's a mouthful of a name. Uh, it is Baby Bailey Mama Drama. Okay. And we've had, we've had enough Baby Baileys in the life and we've definitely had some Mama Drama. So it kind of works out. <laughs> okay. Terrific. And thank you also, Heather, for being here. And I know it's hard for both of you to be here with the babies. So thank you so much. And to all of you who are watching, please feel free to reach out to me anytime or reach out to them. They'd love to hear from you as well. And subscribe because that's how we keep going. And that's how you make sure that you get every podcast. So thanks again for coming and I'll see you next time.